You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. All throughout the year, we hear during different months that it's this awareness and that awareness, and it happens that November is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, which doesn't get talked about. I think it's a little bit of a sensitive subject, but if we can talk about breast cancer for all of October, I think it's time to talk about prostate cancer because our men and their prostates are as important as our women and their breasts. And we also know that for the women in our audience, you're the ones who are going to get your men to go to the doctor, especially after you hear the statistics. I'm very happy to welcome the chief of urologic oncology at Memorial Healthcare System, Dr. John Silberstein. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You have quite a background in oncology uh, training at Sloan Kettering, and now you've been with Memorial Health System, and you work out of multiple hospitals. What is your specific role as the chief of uro-oncology at MHS? Um, that's a great question. So we are building a full oncology program across all of our hospitals that allows patients with urologic issues, specifically urologic oncologic issues, to receive care throughout our system. And it's my goal to make sure that regardless of what hospital, emergency room, clinic a patient walks into, if it has the name Memorial atop it, you will get excellent urologic care. Love it. What does urologic care include? There are several different body parts that can get cancer within that broad area. Yeah, so great questions. Urologists are the plumbers of the body. So anything that touches water, or in this case, urine, urologists are in charge of. So we take care of the kidneys and kidney cancer. We take care of the ureters, the small tubes that run from the kidney down to the bladder. We take care of the bladder. In men, we take care of the prostate. We take care of the urethra. And we also take care of the reproductive organs. So cancer specifically that we manage, urologic oncologists, are kidney cancer, bladder cancer, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, penile cancer, and adrenal cancer, which technically is uh, sort of between uh, urologists and general surgeons or endocrine surgeons. So it's Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. What is the prevalence of prostate cancer that we don't hear about? Well, let me jump in right there and let you know that September is actually Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and it gets so little awareness that there was another month built in, not necessarily for prostate cancer awareness, but men's health awareness. Okay. And men have different health needs and concerns about a couple of issues than women. Certainly chief among them is prostate cancer, and prostate cancer is by far the most common cancer in men. 
about 200 to 250,000 new diagnoses of prostate cancer occur every year in the U.S. About 30,000 men die from prostate cancer every year in the U.S. And about one in nine men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in the U.S. over the course of their life. Now, for some particularly at-risk groups like Ashkenazi Jewish men or African-American men, those numbers may be significantly higher. African-American men are twice as likely to both be diagnosed with prostate cancer and die from prostate cancer. So African-American men, the numbers are closer to one in six rather than one in nine. The good news is there are more than three million survivors of prostate cancer alive in the U.S. right now. Okay, so that is a good statistic. Um, I have a feeling it'll get a lot more publicity. People will become more familiar with it this year because Al Roker just acknowledged a prostate cancer diagnosis and just had surgery for prostate cancer. Yeah. So Al Roker was uh, was operated on by one of my mentors uh, oh, wow. just, just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I've heard about that case specifically. And when we th- it's, it's uncommon for men to go out there and talk about their prostate cancer. So really hats off to Mr. Roker for going out there and letting people know. And particularly educating the African-American community is of specific and considerable concern. So yeah. we appreciate his help. It actually is so similar to the breast cancer numbers, particularly in South Florida, where the Caribbean, the Bahamian community is at higher risk of breast cancer. So it's really very similar. And, you know, we make such a big thing out of breast cancer. It's like prostate cancer. I kind of equivocate them because, as I understand, the the test for prostate cancer is as uncomfortable as a mammogram is for a woman. Well, that's actually not true. There are tons of similarities between prostate cancer and breast cancer. Both are endocrine organs, meaning that they secrete fluids for slightly different purposes. But because they secrete fluids, those endocrine ducts have an increased risk of developing malignancy, and they're both hormonally responsive. So Prostate cancer requires testosterone to grow and spread the way a fire requires oxygen. Many breast cancers are estrogen sensitive. And so there are many, many parallels between the two cancers. But to actually screen and test for prostate cancer is so much easier than what women need to do to to screen or test for breast cancer. But but still men don't do it. So why is it as soon as you mention prostate cancer tests, they all go, "Ah!" (laughs) and they're like, you know, they freak out. Yeah, that's so. So first of all, men, uh, I think, have different roles in our society. And men are generally fixated on on being healthy and being providers. And the idea of having an illness, any kind of illness, is, is very frightening for men as a general rule. But then if you throw in an illness that in some way is involved in his sexuality and his reproductive ability, that particularly makes men concerned, I believe. And that's part of the reason men are very squeamish about talking about this subject in particular. And then specifically what you're referring to is that men get screened for prostate cancer in two ways. The most important way to screen for prostate cancer by far is a simple blood test that involves 
nothing other than giving a tiny little bit of blood to uh, to LabCorp or any any place that you want, and they can give you your numbers. And those numbers tell you not only if you are at risk for having prostate cancer today, but can give us tremendous insight into a man's risk 10, 15, 25 years down the road of having prostate cancer. So the manual test is not necessarily yeah. relevant anymore. Well, so uh, thank you. Uh, the, the digital rectal exam, the DRE, if you will, the most feared part of a visit to any urologist is really, first of all, um, just so the ladies out there know, it is uh, nothing compared to a pap smear. It is not nearly as invasive uh, and takes just a few seconds, literally, where a man bends over and a doc puts a, a finger up his, his behind to evaluate the posterior aspect of the prostate and see if there are any lumps or bumps. Now, 95% of men who have prostate cancer have a normal rectal exam. So while it is easy, it is cheap, it has very little risk, and generally I tell men there are only two reasons not to get a rectal exam, either your doctor doesn't have fingers or you don't have an anus, um, it probably is not the most important test for screening for prostate cancer. And by far, the prostate-specific antigen, the PSA test, the blood test is by far the most important test. So how often should men be screened and at what age should they start? That's a fantastic and tremendously controversial question. Mm. Prostate cancer screening is intricately tied to treatment of prostate cancer. And many men with prostate cancer need no treatment at all, but many men do. And as a result of this controversy, at one point in time, the U.S. Preventative Task Force Services, the same organization who told women that they should stop screening with mammograms, told doctors that men should stop getting PSA screening. And when women went out and marched up and down in the streets saying, we want to be screened for breast cancer, please reconsider the data, think through things carefully. And the U.S. Preventative Task Force Services quickly changed their tune. Mm. Yeah, and men all let out a sigh of relief and uh, didn't get out there and protest and didn't get out there and march. And as a result, even to this day, the subsequent to this, and th this was in 2014 and 2018, uh, they reviewed the data and changed their opinion and said that men should be screened for prostate cancer with this blood test, but it should involve a careful consideration of this test before men are screened. Now, the problem is twofold. One, uh, a lot of doctors got the message not to screen and didn't get the message years later to start screening again. And then the second part of it is that when they said that doctors should start screening again, they said that doctors should have a lengthy conversation with patients before beginning screening so that patients could understand the risks and benefits of screening. Now, I don't know how long you've spent with your primary care physician, but if I can say, uh, and believe me, I love primary care physicians, but if they have... They have a hundred things that they need to take care of right. when they see a patient from your cholesterol to your heart, to your, whatever it is you went in there for the first place, your knee hurts, you got a bump on your eyeball. Um, they got to deal with all of this. And then they have to have a lengthy conversation with you about the risks and benefits of this screening test. It's a lot for them to do. What risk is there? I, I mean, 
It's either a blood test and there's no risk in getting your blood taken, or it's a manual test. And how is that a risk? Right. So the manual test is absolutely no risk. And the risk of getting your blood taken is twofold. One, if a man is found to have an elevated risk for prostate cancer, the next test, the subsequent test is a prostate biopsy. Okay. And a prostate biopsy does have some risks associated with it. And about a third of the men who undergo prostate biopsies will be found to have prostate cancer. But of the more than a million men who have prostate biopsies every year in the U.S., about 600 to 700,000 of them are never found to have prostate cancer and undergo this test that has some risks associated with it and no real benefit for those individuals. The second risk is if men are found to have prostate cancer, treatment for that prostate cancer only really benefits a subset of those men who have more aggressive prostate cancer or healthier men. And I'll explain that in a little bit more detail as we go forward. Yeah, well, because I understand that it's a very slow-growing cancer. So that's one of the reasons that they don't always treat, because there's sort of a let's wait, because nothing may happen while you're alive. So prostate cancer, like a lot of other cancers, is not one disease. It is a spectrum of diseases. The best analogy I can give you is uh, some people who get, God forbid, the coronavirus feel just fine and others get terribly ill and we don't really understand exactly why that happens. Well, it's the same thing with prostate cancer. Some men with prostate cancer have a very indolent, benign, slow-growing prostate cancer that may not need treatment at all. Some men with prostate cancer have very terrible, aggressive prostate cancers that need very aggressive treatment. And it's this lack of clarity amongst both physicians and the general public about that spectrum of diseases that leads a lot of people to conclude that either screening for prostate cancer is not important or treatment for prostate cancer is not important. And in some cases, it can be life-saving. And in other cases, it absolutely is not important. But how do you distinguish? Well, that's a great question. And there are multiple tools that we have to help us sort through that. So there are five main factors we use to sort through this. Uh, One of them is that manual exam that you described, the digital rectal exam. Another one is that PSA test, which tells us not only whether a man is at risk for prostate cancer, but how potentially deadly that prostate cancer is. Uh, But the most important ways to determine what type of prostate cancer an individual has are uh, the actual tissue from the biopsy allows us not only to determine whether that man has prostate cancer or not, but what is the course of that prostate cancer? So how bad is that prostate cancer? What is the risk from that prostate cancer? And those three factors that we find out from the prostate biopsy are the first is a scoring system. Every cancer Every cancer, brain cancer, lung cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancer, all starts looking like the organ from which they derive. So kidney cancer looks just like normal kidney at the very beginning. And lung cancer starts looking just like normal lung tissue at the very beginning. And as that cancer becomes more aggressive or de-differentiates, the cells look less and less like the lung or the kidney or the breast and more like these 
uh, pleomorphic cells that could belong anywhere in your body. And that's part of the way the cancer tricks your body into allowing it to grow in other parts of your body. So what happens with prostate cancer is we have a scoring system. And the more organized those cells appear, the more they appear like normal prostate tissue, the less likely that cancer is to spread to other parts of the body, and the less likely that prostate cancer is to kill someone. The more disorganized or de-differentiated that prostate cancer is, the more likely it is to spread to other parts of your body. And without getting too much details, we score the cancer from a six to a nine. The six is the best. The nine is the worst, technically a 10, uh, but that's how we uh, determine the risk of the cancer spreading that. And the biopsy also tells us how much cancer is in the prostate. That can be important to know. And we determine how much prostate cancer there is there in two different ways uh, based on those biopsy specimens. And that gives us great insight into the potential risk of the cancer growing and spreading. Are there symptoms that someone can watch for to let them know that, yeah, they really should talk to a doctor? No. So that's a great question. As a man gets older, lots of men wind up having issues with their urination. And they do so for a couple of different reasons. But part of it may be that the prostate is getting larger. And many of these symptoms are waking up at night to pee or going to the bathroom more frequently. The stream isn't as strong as it once was. Most men with these symptoms do not have prostate cancer. But these are the exact symptoms that overlap with prostate cancer. So it's very, very difficult for us to distinguish these vague constellation of urinary symptoms that may or may not be associated with prostate cancer. And so the easiest way to think about it is that most men have no symptoms of prostate cancer specifically. And those symptoms can exist in a man who has deadly prostate cancer, not deadly prostate cancer, or no prostate cancer at all. And so there are very few, if any, symptoms for prostate cancer. And that's why getting this simple blood test is so, so, so important. Okay. Do you have to see a specialist to get a referral for that blood test, or can your primary care provider do that? Or does that depend on what your health care program is? No. You're, so primary care providers, 100% of the time, can get this simple screening PSA test. Now, the interpretation of that test may be a little bit uh, different depending on what provider you see. The frequency with which you get that PSA test may be a little bit different depending on what provider you see. And the frequency with which you get that test, be it yearly or every five years, can differ depending on what practitioner you see. So let's but say the answer, you're the practitioner. <laughs> Yeah, no, great question. So, so the best way to think about PSA, screening test for prostate cancer, is a little bit like hemoglobin A1C, a simple blood test that people can get to check for diabetes. And, you know, the truth is that this blood test tells us not only whether a man is at risk for having prostate cancer today, but can give us insight into that man's future. So um, most men should get a screening PSA test at the age of about 45. If that man has a strong family history of prostate cancer, if he's of African-American descent, uh, he may want to start at age 40. 
if at that age the numbers are abnormal for a man his age, then he needs screening more frequently. If they're completely out of the normal range for a man that age, he needs to have a biopsy. If they're within the normal range for a man that age, doesn't need to be screened for another five years. Then we take it up to 50. Man gets screened again at the age of 50. He's got a normal number for a 50-year-old man, probably doesn't need to be screened for another five years. If he's found to have an abnormal number, number that's higher than the median that most men, but not so high that we're highly concerned about him, he doesn't need to have a biopsy right away. He just needs to be screened more aggressive. So for that type of man, I would recommend that he get yearly PSA screening. So how often a man gets screened depends on what the numbers show. Okay. What can women do? We know men are famous for not going to the doctor. (laughs) And and it's usually the woman who is calling 911 if there's a heart attack or kind of taking control of a man's health and reminding him to make appointments and making sure he goes. What would you say to both men and women, to encourage them. Thank you for that. That is perhaps the most important thing I've learned and the most important question you could have asked me because women are so critical to the the care of our families. Um, Women care for our children. They care for our parents. They care for our spouses. And they do so emotionally, but they also encourage us to go to the doctors repeatedly. And so I give these lectures at churches, at big conference halls, at uh, various places. And the men have already turned on their phones and have tuned me out. And the women are nodding their heads and listening. Mm. So if any women out there are still listening, you know, tell your husband, tell your father, tell your son, tell your male friends that they should begin screening for prostate cancer by getting a simple blood test at age 45. And that if the primary care physician doesn't feel comfortable screening for prostate cancer because the guidelines have changed or they can't have an informed conversation about the risk benefits and alternatives, then to go ahead and refer the patient to a specialist. Okay. If someone wants more information about prostate cancer, about how you, Dr. Silberstein, handle prostate cancer. Should they just go to the Memorial Health website and look up your name? What's the best way to get that info? Yeah, that's that's by far the best way to get that info. Go to the mhs.net website and look up Silberstein. I uh, guarantee you I'm the only one in the system. Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and that's Silberstein um, with a B, not a V. Uh, be That's like right. In, right, okay. Be like in boy. Um, Extra confusing. <laughs> okay, um, and I do want to give you a chance to talk about your being an ambassador for Movember. So Movember is an opportunity for men to try to reclaim their health to a large extent, and it's an opportunity for us to let other men know out there that it's okay to be ill. It's okay to uh, that being a man comes with a certain amount of fragility and that there are different things that impact men's health, such as prostate cancer, hormonal imbalances, test- low testosterone, depression. And so 
we encourage men to grow out their facial hair for the month of November to communicate to the world, to let other men know um, that they're, they feel them. Um, and to encourage them to go out there and raise awareness and support for these important issues. And so um, Memorial Healthcare System has started a Movember campaign uh, where we'd ask you to come to mhs.net and go on the foundation or to call us at 954-265-3454 and become an ambassador. Get out there and start growing your facial hair uh, for the month of November and make a donation so that we can raise awareness about men's health and prostate cancer specifically so that men in our community know to get screened. I will be happy to grow out my facial hair, no problem. (laughs) All right, awesome. Well, we appreciate you. You can be an ambassador too. Okay. Um, No, very worthwhile cause. I think it's awesome. Whatever anybody does to spread the word, and to stand up as a spokesperson for taking care of your health is a great way to give of yourself to the community. And again, so you said go to the mhs.net and just search for the foundation. You'll find the Movember campaign. Yeah, you can search for the foundation or look up No Shave November. No Shave November. Okay. And to find your personal ambassador page, if we want to donate to you. Yeah, you look up that website and it'll take you to uh, all the ambassadors pages so that you can donate on their behalf. But please, I'd encourage rather than donating on my behalf, become an ambassador yourself. Go out there and grow your facial hair. And even if you don't contribute, just do it for the month of November to let other men out there know you, you got them. Awesome. Okay. There's not that much left of November, so it's not such a big deal at this point. The main thing is now that you know where we stand, you have some more, and you have accurate information about prostate cancer is to make that stance and help spread the awareness. Dr. John Silverstein, S-I-L-B, like in boy, E-R-S-T-E-I-N. You can find him at mhs.net, the chief of urologic oncology at Memorial Healthcare System. And you work out of multiple locations, Aventura, Pembroke Pines, uh, West, Miramar. I'm a traveling man. Traveling man. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for clarifying all of this. Because again, it's not spoken about very much, but you said one in nine people will get it and 30,000 people will die this year from prostate cancer. And we can't afford to lose 30,000 men. I thank thanks so you. much for having me. Thank you. I it really appreciate pleasure. it. And thanks for giving me this opportunity to let men know about this important topic and grow it out. All the men out there and women support us. All right. I'm Ellen Jaffe. Thank you for joining us this morning for Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50 for a new segment of Easy's Community Focus, our Thanksgiving weekend edition, welcoming to the program a group that really deserves an awful lot of thanks for the work they do in the community. From the Family Resource Center, the development manager, Melissa Vareth, we're going to be working together to help the kids from the Family Resource Center and make this a very special holiday season. Every year, we provide gifts to every single one of our children in our care. So we need everyone's help if they can either sponsor a child in our agency. How that works is you let me know 
and I can match you with a little boy or a little girl in our agency, and I provide you with their wish list. Okay. So I will send it over, and you can look at the wish list and provide anything for them. The other ways you can help is hosting a toy drive. And lastly, you can make a donation, a monetary donation through our webpage. FRCflorida.org. Please help us this year. I know there's a lot going on with everyone, but we would love for everyone to help our agency to bring a smile and making a difference in the children's lives. And I really recommend you go to the website because you can see more about what um, Family Resource Center of South Florida does. And uh, you may find that you do want to get involved on a more regular basis. You may want to foster a child. You may want to adopt a child. So it's, again, frcflorida.org. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.